Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Hey friends, I hope you're well. If you're watching this video, then that means that I am sick. Uh, Jen and I have been battling off some kind of coldly fluy thing for the last week or so, uh, which has been really lame. Um, we know it's not COVID, don't worry, we have a text message to prove it. Um, but apparently it's not appropriate to come to church and preach when you are coughing and sneezing. So you get this wonderful video instead. Now, I acknowledge it's a little bit weird, uh, me doing this uh, pre-recorded and then playing it to a live congregation. Uh, but feel free to laugh at my jokes and have a great time. I won't know. Feel free to not laugh at them if you, if you don't feel like it. Um, I won't be offended. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, by the way, my name's Chris. My wife, Jet, and I are the pastors of the evening community here at Northridge Vineyard Church. Uh, and it's really wonderful to be with you, albeit in a digital way, today. Now, I have the honor of continuing a series that we started a couple of weeks ago to, called Turning Points. What we're doing in this series is we're looking through some of the really key moments of change and transition that we find in the Bible, some of the key turning points if you will. Um, and we're looking at what we can learn from the story of scripture and how we can apply that to key turning points in our own lives, uh, in the life of our church, as we have coming up with a fairly major leadership transition uh, next month, and also how we can navigate major turning points as a society, like we're experiencing right now with COVID. Rob kicked us off with a really fantastic message a couple of weeks ago. And if you didn't hear it, it was a real cracker. Um, he was looking at uh, the fairly significant turning point, uh, the fall of humanity, uh, and when Adam and Eve got themselves kicked out of the garden. Uh, last week, Phil and Kath did a wonderful job of talking about uh, Noah's Ark and the, the story of the flood. And uh, it was a really beautiful, uh, really heartfelt message. So again, really highly recommend you have a listen if you haven't already. Uh, for us today, we're looking at uh, Genesis chapter 12, and we're looking at the call of Abraham, or Abraham, as he's called at this point in the story. And so if you do have a Bible, uh, I hope you have a Bible somewhere handy. If not, grab your phone. Uh, and we're going to read a short passage from Genesis 12 together. Genesis 12, starting from verse 1, says... The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Ab Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree Moreh in Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him and pitched his tent 
with Bethel to the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Now, I don't know whether you have read this story before, whether you've heard someone preach on it before. Um, it's a fairly significant event in Abraham's life. Um, I'm going to continue to call him Abraham, even though he's Abram at this point in the story, because it's just a bit easier for me, to be honest. I'm sick. Cut me some slack. Let's put ourselves in Abraham's, Abraham, oh, there you go. Let's put ourselves in Abraham's shoes uh, for just one moment. He's living a fairly comfortable life uh, in his hometown of Ur uh, in Mesopotamia. When God shows up, now we don't really know anything about Abraham's relationship with God up to this point. But God shows up, says to Abraham, I want you to leave your home and your family. Not just uh, your, your comfort zone and your comfortable place. This isn't, you, I just want you to go traveling. This is like, I want you to leave your family as well. He says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. So Abraham doesn't necessarily know where he's going when he sets out, apart from the fact that God has said that it's going to be pretty good. And he, sells, he says to Abraham, who at this point is pretty elderly and kind of past um, the, the age of being able to have a child, he says, I will make you into a great nation. If I were in Abraham's shoes, I'd probably be pretty hesitant to, to go, to believe what God had said, because it, it doesn't really sound possible. And yet, as we're told, Abraham and Sarah pack their things and go. You know, this is a, a, I don't have to prove to you that this is a hugely significant turning point in the life of Abraham. But it's not just a turning point. Uh, for this man on his own, it's a huge turning point for the story of Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel, who feature all throughout the Old Testament and so much of the New, this is their origin story. This is where they come from. Um, but not only that, if we uh, continue to read through the scriptures and discover Jesus, who is the savior of humanity, then this is a major turning point in human history. You know, all of the stories that we've chatted about so far as part of this series, um, it's interesting. You know, we tend to think of the fall of humanity as just a singular event that happens in the Garden of Eden. But from, from that moment in the garden where the people eat from the fruit of the tree and, and all throughout the following chapters up till this point in chapter 12, it's, it's like things get worse and worse on a grander and grander scale. And this is the moment that God begins to turn things around. This is the beginning of God's re-entry plan, of his plan into his broken creation. This is where it all starts to turn around. Uh, and so this, uh, of all the moments we could find in scripture, I would say is a fairly significant turning point. So what do we learn from this story? What does it have to teach us uh, here and now about how to navigate turning points in our own lives, in our church's life, uh, in our society's life. Well, I want to make three observations about this story that I think that we can apply into our own context. The 
The first thing I want to say about this story is that Abraham's story is complicated, but God's faithfulness is not. Abraham's story is complex, but God's faithfulness is not. Let me unpack that a little bit. You may already be aware of this, maybe you're not, but we as human beings are story people. We understand and interpret the world around us through story, and we understand our own lives in particular by creating these story arcs and narratives that help us to make sense of what uh, our lives mean. It's where we draw our sense of identity from. You might think, well, I went to school, uh, I studied, I got a job, and now here I am. And that's the story of my life. Or maybe I was a sinner, I met Jesus, and now I'm happy all of the time. Maybe that's the story arc that you're working with. Now, we have a tendency to simplify the story arcs of our lives. You know, I think when we tend to, when we think about our lives, we, we normally think about them uh, like this. There should be a graphic up on the screen. Um, you know, here's uh, where I am now. Here's where God is leading me to. And I'm going to go from point A to point B in a reasonably straight line. And that's how it's going to work. Now, I don't think, uh, I think it should be fairly obvious that, that that's not really our reality, is it? You know, our stories, they probably look a little bit more like this. That's right. Uh, that's how my brain feels a lot of the time, if I'm really honest. Now, this kind of simplification that we do, in some ways it's helpful because if we held all of the mess and craziness of our lives and our stories in our head, heads at all times, it would be a bit overwhelming and confusing. So uh, we simplify our story arcs that we write about our lives to stop ourselves from frying our brains. Makes sense. Where it's a little bit less helpful is when we come across change in our lives that doesn't fit with the simplified versions of our stories that we tell ourselves. You know, when something comes along that doesn't fit into your version of your story, it can be really disorienting, can't it? Now, I want to suggest that in exactly the same way, Abraham's story that we read about here, it's not quite as simple as we might think. You know, before um, digging into this passage, the way that I usually think about Abraham's story is that he starts in his hometown of Ur uh, in Mesopotamia. God gives him this promise and this call, and he goes from Mesopotamia straight to the promised land. But we discover it's not quite as simple as that. Um, in, uh, if you read back into Genesis 11, uh, we read that Abraham actually set out uh, from his hometown with his family, with his father, with his nephew Lot, and they went to a place called Haran. Now, I don't know if you noticed in uh, 12.1, it doesn't say the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. It says the Lord had said to Abraham, go out from your country. So we discover that when Abraham's in his hometown, God gives him this call and this incredible promise. He says, I want you to leave your family and I want you to go to the place that I'm going to show you. So what does Abraham do? He takes his family with him and he goes somewhere else. Now, I don't know uh, in my head where all of these places are. So I've done what any millennial would helpfully do. And I've actually plotted Abraham's journey on Google Maps. So let me put that up right now. So you'll see that uh, when Abraham first receives this call and we, we get this gets clarified in the book of Acts chapter 7 verses 2 to 3, we get a recap of this order of events that I'm giving you. 
When Abraham receives the call, he takes his family and he goes somewhere else. And it's only when his father passes away that Abraham finally decides to go uh, where he was originally called to go. And he still takes his nephew Lot with him. And it's interesting because as you read the story, you find out that um, Abraham taking his family with him causes all sorts of problems. And yet God honors the promise, doesn't he? You know, the only thing that's actually simple, that actually works in a straight line in the way that you would expect it to, in the story of Abraham, is God's faithfulness. Because as you read through the story of Abraham through Genesis and uh, even the rest of the story of Israel and the story of the scripture, you realize that God is faithful to every single one of these promises that he makes to Abraham. You know, the reality is that as we navigate life following in the footsteps of Jesus, following in the way of Jesus, we are going to hit turning points. We are going to hit moments of change that don't fit into the stories that we create to understand our lives, to find our sense of identity. We're going to hit moments of uncomfortable change, but we need to be in this for the long haul. We need to be in this for the long journey and we need to be stay obedient to God because even though we get it wrong, even though um, we might get called to go to Canaan and we'll go to Haran instead, God is always faithful to his promises. He is always faithful to the calling that he puts in our lives. So let's be in this for the long game. The second thing I want to draw out of this short story that we've just read is that God's promise to Abraham was not about Abraham. God's promise to Abraham was not about Abraham. Let's go back and look really carefully at this promise that God makes here. It's in verses two to three. There's three things. One, I will make you a great nation. Number two, I will make your name great. And number three, I will bless those who bless you. Uh, Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So number one, great nation. Number two, name will be great. And number three, lots of blessing uh, and a blessing to the earth. Now, in some ways, uh, it might seem like those promises are actually all about Abraham. But let's take a closer look at this, shall we? Now, We didn't read the whole story, but if you were to continue to read, uh, maybe you're already familiar with it. If you were to read through up until the death of Abraham, a few chapters later in Genesis, you'll discover that um, while he did have a big family at the end of his life, he certainly wasn't a great nation. Um, He was certainly well respected uh, in his region, uh, but his name was not great as such. Uh, And... There was no sign up to this point um, of, uh, of him being a blessing to all peoples. So it's not really clear in Abraham's own life how God actually fulfilled um, this huge, huge promise. And, you know, Abraham, he never actually settled permanently in any one place. You know, he remained a nomad for his whole life. It wasn't until uh, the Israelites crossed the Jordan uh, out of the wilderness that they, they began to actually take and own this promised land of Canaan. But if you 
were living in Jesus' day, you would look back at this story and you would know that Abraham's family became the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Uh, he was considered to be the father of God's people. His name was certainly great in that sense. And uh, when you read about Jesus, the savior for all humanity, you discover that um, Jesus, our savior, can be traced all the way back to Abraham. You know, when you follow Jesus, when you decide to say yes to the calling that God has on your life, there is a fundamental perspective shift that needs to change that I think is illustrated really perfectly here, which is that when you say yes to Jesus, God does not become a part of your story. You become a part of God's story. When I say yes to Jesus, God does not become a part of my story. I become a part of God's story. You know, I think as humans, we have this, this real need, don't we, uh, to be the center of our own universe. I think it's, it's one of the really core parts of the problem with fallen humanity is that we make ourselves the center of the universe but uh, to follow Jesus is to say that he's actually the center of the universe that it all revolves around God not around me it's this it's a significant perspective shift but I think when we make God the center of our story rather than ourselves it gives us this incredible freedom from expectations disappointment vanishes Purpose and meaning ooze out of every part of our lives. And we come into alignment with the reality that God is God and that we are us. You know, when I think when we, we take this perspective shift that, um, that is illustrated here in this passage, these turning points that we face, these, these seeming curveballs that we come up to in our lives, they stop uh, being difficult and they start to become opportunities. When we realize that ultimately our lives are a contribution to a bigger story, um, it's wonderfully, wonderfully freeing and, and turning points start to become opportunities rather than difficult moments. The final thing I want to draw out of this, this story, just briefly, is that I want to say that Abraham's story is our story. I want to say that Abraham's story is our story. Let's take a step back uh, for just a moment and let's have another look at what happens in this story. Abraham is living comfortably in his hometown of, uh, with his family, uh, with his friends, with the life that he knows. God shows up inexplicably in his life um, and calls him to something very different, to something better. Um, there's no discernible reason from the scripture why God chooses Abraham, but he does. Um, it's a bit of a process for Abraham, isn't it? Leaving behind his hometown and going to the place that God uh, will show him. We've, we've already chatted about how you know, he ended up taking his family anyway, and he um, had a few pit stops along the way. So it's a bit of a process, but ultimately Abraham says yes to the call of God. 
Um, and now this moment in the scripture, this is um, the call, a specific call by God for a specific purpose at a specific moment um, in the story of scripture. But when we continue to read through the scriptures, when we read about uh, this man named Jesus, we discover that there is a call on every single one of our lives, whether you have any form of relationship with Jesus or not, um, that every single one of God's children, every created human being uh, has a call on their lives to become a follower of Jesus. That call is open to everyone. There is no discernible reason uh, for many of us uh, for me, certainly, why God would choose us, and yet he does. Now, our story looks a little bit different to Abraham's story, doesn't it? You know, for most of us, the call to follow Jesus doesn't mean we're going to necessarily leave the place uh, where, where we physically are and go to a different place. Maybe it will. Uh, if that's you, then, then that's fantastic. But I think the call that um, God puts on every single one of our lives is to leave our old ways behind, to leave the ways of the world behind and to take on a new life, a new way of living. Um, it's, it's about so many things, but it's about choosing to leave behind who we were and step into the reality of who God has made us to be. It's an incredible call, isn't it? And yet it's the call that uh, God has on every single one of us. And so ultimately, Abraham's story is our story. We have been called from our home. We've been given a promise. We've been given a future in Jesus. And he's leading us to the land that he will show us. So will you say yes to that call? So what do we do now? How are we going to take what we've learned from the call of Abraham and how are we going to apply that into our own lives? Well, there are three things that I think the Lord wants to do now uh, and three different kinds of people that I'm going to pray for right now. Now, it's super weird doing this like I'm recording this now and this is going to happen tomorrow. But anyway, we're going to roll with it. And I really believe that the Lord uh, wants to do something special. So Lord Jesus um, right now, Holy Spirit, would you come, uh, would you inhabit this moment? Lord, we thank you that you're already moving, that you are here. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to move in our midst now. Now, I believe there might be some people who have listened to this message and God is calling your name right now. Um, you are you have just come up to a very very significant turning point in your life um you've you've never said yes to jesus um you you wouldn't call yourself a christian um maybe you were once upon a time and maybe you left it behind but um like god spoke to abraham god is speaking to you now and he's saying that it's time to give your life to jesus to become a christian what i want everyone to do i want you to all close your eyes and if that's you i want you to put your hand on your heart and I want you to pray with me right now. Um, and we're going we're gonna to give our lives to Jesus in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you that even though there might not be any discernible reason why you chose me, that you have chosen me. So, Lord, I hear the call that you have put on my life and I say yes. I say yes to that call. Lord, I want to leave my old life behind and I want to take up a new life 
following you. So Lord, help me to do that. Lord, would you give me your spirit uh, to guide me? And I say yes to you now. Amen. Awesome. If that was you, uh, at the end of the service, I want you to go find one of the pastors or I want you to go and uh, chat to the friend that brought you and tell them what you've just prayed. Um, And they would be so excited to tell you what to do next because you have an incredible, incredible adventure ahead of you. The second group of people I believe that God wants to to move for uh, right now is I believe that um, there are some people who have said yes um, to the call of Jesus on their lives and who set out, but set out in the wrong direction, who, um, you know, kind of like Abraham here, have been called to go from here to here, and they've gone over here instead and stopped. And I believe there are some people who God is kind of prodding you to, you know, you're over here, and it's time to go to the promised land. It's time to walk um, to the place that I'm leading you. I don't know exactly what that means for your life, but I, I, I think there's a bunch of us here right now that need to respond to that. Um, to start the journey again with God. So if that's you, um, let's all do the same thing. Close your eyes. Everyone, uh, if you want to respond to that, put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are always faithful. Um, God, thank you that you were faithful to Abraham, even though he didn't get it right all the time, um, that you still were faithful and that your faithfulness is always, um, always there. And so, Lord, by your spirit, would you help me to start the journey again? Lord, I want to walk in step with you. I want to walk towards the promise that you have for me. And so, Lord, I choose to uh, set down, uh, set aside apathy, to set aside um, any, any worry or fear. Uh, and I choose to follow after you again. I choose to step into your promise. Amen. All right, one more. Um, When God called Abraham, he told him to leave behind his family, to go out with just his wife, yet he brought his family along with him. And we discover that uh, bringing his family along with him caused all sorts of problems. When Jesus calls us to lay down our old lives and to pick up his way instead, he, when, he, when he gives us that call, uh, it's, we don't often take it up in its entirety, do we? You know, elements of our old life still creep into our new life, don't they? It, it's a journey for us to go from who we were to who God is making us. Of course, it's going to be a journey to do that. Um, but I believe there are some people um, who are being, uh, I, I can't say haunted, that's not quite the right word, um, who are struggling with... Um, laying down their old life and taking up the new. There are parts of that old life that are creeping into the new life and making it really difficult. There might be some kind of uh, sin issue. It might be, um, uh, yeah, something like that. I'm going to stop talking. I I think you probably know if this one's for you. I'm just going to pray. Um, So same deal, eyes closed, hands on hearts. Jesus, thank you. Um, that you do the journey with us, that we don't have to get it all right straight away, um, and that you are faithful to us, that you have grace for us. And so for those of us, Lord, who are struggling to walk in your way, I pray that 
uh, you give us the strength that you empower us by your Holy Spirit to lay down our old ways and to take up yours instead. Amen. Right, well, friends, I'm going to end the video shortly uh, and I'm going to pass you over to uh, the service leader to wrap up the service. But it's been honestly a little bit weird doing this, but it's been fun uh, and I hope this time has been a blessing. So, yeah, that's about it.